from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. So we've got the great Monica Crowley as this episode's guest. She's a friend of mine. I miss seeing her around. I haven't seen her in quite some time. I always respect what she has to say. She's so smart just has her finger on the pulse, always brings a different insight than you know what a lot of other people are missing. She's just so smart, so accomplished. So I'm really looking forward to this episode. One, just reconnecting with a friend, and then two, just hearing from her about everything that's going on in the country. We've got the FBI raid. We've got a 2024 election coming up. You know, Everything seems to be going wrong in the country right now. So I, I'm just really looking to her to get her insight on all of this to sort of you know, let us know what we need to be looking at, what's ahead, getting her insight. You know her from Fox News. She was on Fox for a number of years, still still is on Fox. She left to go serve the Trump administration, serve the country as a former assistant secretary of the Treasury. Uh, she has her own podcast. She's the host of the Monica Crowley podcast. You're going to want to go check that out as well. She is an author. I mean, she used to be on the Council on Foreign Relations. I mean, you can go down the list of all the things that Monica Crowley has done. She is brilliant. She is smart. And she's an awesome person. So I really hope you enjoy this interview with Monica Crowley. So excited about this guest. We have Monica Crowley. Monica, I haven't seen you in so long. I miss you. I know. I miss you too, Lisa. I can't wait to see you in person again and give you a big squeeze. Yeah, we'll have to um, connect uh, in Florida. So I think you're uh, in West Palm and I'm in uh, Miami. So we need to connect soon. I can't wait. I mean, Monica, it's just, uh, I, I think we're all just looking at the events of the past week and really just the past few months and are asking ourselves, you know, what's going on in America? What's going on in the country right now? You know, Lisa, there are so many days I wake up and I, I literally want this all to be a bad dream. Like I, I want it to be that I slept through a nightmare that Joe Biden was president and deliberately torpedoing the United States of America. And when I really come to Donald Trump will still be president, we'll have a thriving economy and uh, world peace. Uh, but unfortunately, sadly, that's not the case. So uh, look, I think what the American people need to really understand is what actually is happening here. And you and I, we work in news, we do our podcasts, we appear on Fox News, we're on radio. It, it you know, it, it's very easy to get lost in the trees and lose sight of the forest because we're constantly battling back the the daily horror, 
right? So whether it's the FBI raiding uh, Mar-a-Lago or the catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan one year ago or what, whatever it might be, raging inflation, sky-high gas prices, we tend to get lost in the day-to-day because it's all so horrific. But I really think that the American people need to take a step back with us and understand what's really going on. We are in the midst right now of a neo-Marxist revolution. And I don't use that phrase lightly, Lisa. I don't just throw around this stuff like, oh, you know, it's, it's all so crazy. Yeah, it is so crazy, but there is a method to their madness. The modern Democratic Party is not the Democratic Party of JFK or Bill Clinton. This is now a Marxist revolutionary party. And the key two words there are Marxist, so you need to know what the ideology is, but also revolutionary. They are literally revolutionaries working around the clock to, in Obama's words, fundamentally transform the nation. When Obama said that in 2015 and 2016, Lisa, I remember going on Fox News with like Bill O'Reilly and Don Imus, and they were all like, oh, come on, Crowley, communism. And I didn't even use the word communism or Marxism at the time. I used the softer socialism. They were like, Crowley, socialism, you're crazy. Like, come on, Barack Obama, socialist. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we need to understand where this is going. So Obama had eight years to begin that transformation of the country. And unfortunately, like there were very few of us. It was like you and me and a couple of other people who actually had the courage to, to tease it out to the next step, which is, well, what, what exactly does Obama mean by the fundamental transformation of the nation? So many people wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. And say, well, you know, he he just means, you know, kind of uh, restore restore America's power after the war in Iraq and, and this and that. No, that this is the fundamental transformation of the nation, as the Democrats today mean it, is away from the very pillars that made us great: individual liberty, economic freedom, strong national defense, um, and and. And all of the things that that gave this country the push toward greatness in a very short amount of time, they intend to strip the country of free market capitalism and individual freedom and take this country in a more collectivist, neo-Marxist or neo-communist kind of model. Donald Trump was not supposed to be elected in 2016. It was supposed to be eight years of Obama, then eight years of Hillary, where they could really lock all of this in. So when Trump got elected, he threw a monkey wrench in their whole great reset here at home, this whole grand project. And so what you're seeing now, Lisa, to answer your question about what is going on, that they are making up for lost time. They lost four years under Trump, where Trump actually was solving all of America's problems and delivering a thriving economy and world peace. They lost those four years. So now what you're seeing is this great reset here at home on steroids. They're moving with all deliberate speed to make up for that lost time. But make no mistake about it, this is a neo-communist, a Marxist revolution that we are living through right now. Well, to your point, I mean, they're they're destroying every institution. They're destroying the things that's even just stabilized a country. I mean, the rule of law. I mean, you look at how lawless these cities are across America where you know, you've got people who are murdered, you know, it's just a revolving door of crime of letting these people out and not punishing them and, and treating, uh, you know, in the instance of Jose, uh, Jose Alba, you know, treating, uh, you know, the victim as the criminal and, and the, the criminal as the victim. It's just this totally warped perspective we're in. But to your point, you know, they are essentially waging, this war on Donald Trump, you can go through the list of investigations that they've launched his way, uh, in, impeachment, the list goes on. He's facing civil I- investigation uh, in, in New York. You've got the FBI raiding his home. He's also facing another probe out of Georgia. I mean, how far do you think Democrats will take all of this? I think they want to take it as far as they can, can take it, which is ultimately they want Donald Trump in prison. I remember going on Sean Hannity's show on Fox News, March of 2017. So Donald Trump had been president for only two months. And I remember saying on the air to Sean and to America that they don't just want to undermine Trump's presidency or destroy his presidency, although they certainly wanted to do that. They want the man in prison. 
And I remember, you know, you and I both know Sean. It takes a lot to like render him speechless, Lisa. But he was like, he looked at me like, what? I was like, you, you've got to understand. They want the man in prison. And I wrote a New York Post article about it at the time because I'd worked for President Nixon during the last years of his life. And President Nixon, after he resigned, gave a series of very famous interviews to David Frost. And in those interviews, he said, look, I should have known that I was surrounded by enemies. And he said, I, I, I should have know, known that there was a standard for Democrats, a standard for Republicans, and then there was a standard for me. And unfortunately, I gave my enemies the sword. It was a very famous quote, very famous. And I wrote an article warning Donald Trump very early in his presidency, do not give your enemies the sword because your enemies are Richard Nixon's enemies. They're all the same enemies. And yes, people die and faces change. But I'm talking about the institutional enemies of the deep state, the permanent bureaucracy, the media, the international community, the left, the Democrats. Institutionally, they're all the same enemies. Why? Because both Richard Nixon and Donald Trump were the ultimate outsiders. They came from the outside, not from the ruling class. And therefore, they were not beholden to the ruling class and not tied up with towing the ruling class's corrupt line and delivering the, the corrupt status quo and protecting each other. No, Richard Nixon and uh, Donald Trump both were genuinely elected because they wanted to deliver for the American people. And they did. And therefore, they had to be destroyed because they were not there to tow the, the corrupt ruling class's party line. So, you know, Donald Trump is facing the exact same institutional enemies. And that's why, you know, Lisa, they're not going to stop because he represents an existential threat to all of them and their absolute grip on power in this country to control everything, including the uni party. So because he represents such an existential threat and he has not cried uncle once, Richard Nixon, you know, the, the pressure ultimately became too much for him to bear. And he, he decided to resign when Barry Goldwater, the head of the Republicans in the Senate, came to the White House and told him that his Republican support in the Senate had collapsed. So if he were facing impeachment, he would probably be convicted in a Senate trial. And it was at that moment that Nixon said, that's it, I'm done. It became too much. Donald Trump has not caved to that pressure at all yet. And I don't think he's going to, which means the other side is never going to stop targeting him and, and trying to stop him um, from, from actually delivering for America. Again, it's not really about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is us, right? He's like a stand-in for the average American who just wants, you know, good economy, feed their family, live their life according to their own free will. Donald Trump was allowing that, and therefore he needs to be stopped. Well, and that's the irony here is we just want to be left alone. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, just leave us alone and, and let us live our lives freely and independently and, uh, you know, give us a little individual liberty. And that's what we want as, you know, patriotic Americans. You know, what, what do you think people get wrong about Nixon? It's a, such a great question, Lisa. Nobody's asked me that in a really long time. So I appreciate the question. I always love talking about him because he was such a great man who got, who, who made a series of mistakes and nobody's excusing that, including Richard Nixon. He took full responsibility for intervening in the Watergate scandal and making a series of really bad mistakes based on bad information that people, including the deep state, were feeding him. Um, but I think what people get wrong about Nixon, it, we've all been taught, and this probably holds true for most, if not all, Republican presidents, the modern ones anyway, that they're somehow dark and evil, um, somehow corrupt um, somehow stupid, right? You're either like stupid or evil or corrupt or something. That That's how the press and the left paints them. Richard Nixon was the exact opposite of that. And I was so blessed to spend four years working for him during the last four years of his life. Um, and I found him to be, first of all, brilliant, which even his detractors will concede. He was absolutely brilliant. And you know what else, Lisa? And I say this all the time about him. We have had just a few um, actual visionaries as president. And by visionary, I mean presidents who could see what the world was going to look like 20, 30, 40 years down the road 
and as president, make American policy while they were in office to anticipate that world. So Richard Nixon was one of our rare visionaries um, in doing that. And also, you know, he was very generous. He was kind. He was very funny, which I think, you know, if you're asking me a pointed question about what people get wrong, they think he was very serious. And he, he was, he was an intellectual. So yeah, he was very serious, but he also, and he was a loner for the most part. Um, but he was very funny. And I think people, <laughs> he didn't really show that to the American people, which is unfortunate because I think when you show a sense of humor, some self-effacement that can go a long way, especially in politics, when the crap hits the fan, which is always inevitable uh, for any leader. And uh, I'm not saying that a sense of humor could have saved him in Watergate, but I think it could have blunted a lot of the negativity about him. He was very, very funny, loved his family, was a great father, a very good grandfather. I was around his grandkids at the time um, when they were young. And it was just, it was such a blessing to be around him because he really saw how the real world worked. Um, and I love just watching how his mind worked. He was absolutely brilliant. Well, and it's funny because you had mentioned how a sense of humor goes a long way. And in my mind, the first thing that popped up, and I love Megyn Kelly. I've, I've always thought she was, she's incredible and she's incredibly talented. Uh, but the first thing that came to my mind was President or Ben Candidate, only Rosie O'Donnell <laughs> response. I think it's one of the, <laughs> yeah. probably one of the best. You know, uh, Donald Trump <laughs> is the ultimate showman, right? I mean, he sort of came out of real estate, but also the entertainment world, and nobody can match him. He's just authentically funny. Like, even at his rallies, even now, like six years in, Lisa, you watch these rallies, he does like an hour and a half of stand-up. Well, only Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> right? I mean, he's incredible. He's got the whole country laughing, except the ones who really hate him. And they they... One of the many reasons they hate him is because he's doing this out of pure love for the country, but also he's having fun. And they're like, oh, no, no fun allowed in American politics. Don't you know we're in the middle of a communist revolution? There's no fun here. He is out there having fun and making the American people laugh, even all these years in. It's extraordinary. But isn't it an intentional tactic of the left, though? I, I, th- I think they want... Americans beaten down. They don't want fun. They don't want the ability to engage in conversation. They don't want the ability to engage in laughter. They want everyone to own nothing, be depressed, be in their home all day long, you know, disconnected from family, disconnect. You know, isn't that the objective of the left? I think they're intentionally yes, trying to beat people down as much as point. possible. Lisa, you're totally right. You know, the old line about communism is that it's sold as that they glorify the sense of equality under communism. But the only thing that communism actually delivers is an equal share of poverty and misery. And that misery word is critical because if you're sitting atop a miserable, dispirited, depressed population, those people are more easily controllable. That's the point. Quick commercial break. More with Monica Crowley. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. 
That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. So, you know, Monica, you're very familiar with the Nixon administration. You've worked for the Trump administration as well. So you've seen the deep state. You understand the deep state in a very real way. How do you tackle the deep state? It's a really good question and a very difficult one because the deep state really manifested after World War II in America um, when the country was booming. But we really did have a massive infiltration of actual communists into the United States government. You know, Senator McCarthy gets a bad rap with the have you no decency, sir? because he was trying to lead the charge to expose the communist infiltration in the U.S., in the government. And it was real, and it was happening, and he was smeared by the press and others for being a communist hunter when, oh, there was no communism here. There was, and it was very real, and he knew it. Um, And he was out there trying to expose it. The way Donald Trump all these years later is trying to expose the depth of their corruption and the, the rot in our institutions. People forget that the deep state actually began as a KGB operation. The KGB in the 1930s said, we've got to defeat the United States. And they came at us at the time in like a full frontal way. And then they realized, wait a minute, their constitution is really durable. And these people really love their country and the liberties that they have. So that's going to be too tough. Then World War II came. We're basically on the same side to defeat Nazi Germany. But after World War II, when the Iron Curtain came down, the KGB changed their tactics. And they said, okay, we're not going to be able to destroy the United States from without. So we're going to destroy them from within. And so they began this infiltration, especially in the government, which I talked about. But they also set their sights on the major pillars of American life and culture the things that really uphold this nation. So they went after and grabbed control over the news media, academia, and our culture, movies, television, music. So once they were infiltrated, in addition to the government being infiltrated, they created like, and not just the deep state, like you think, oh, the CIA, the FBI, that kind of deep state, which is incredibly powerful and dangerous. But also they created a deep state outside of the government by grabbing control of these pillars. So when we talk about how we defeat it, it is a huge uphill battle because they're in every nook and cranny of, of American society and life. So if you're talking about the government aspect of this, this is going to require a president whether it's Trump or DeSantis or whomever, and and maybe multiple presidents, because the project is so big, to really take it on, be willing to take this on, have the political will to do it. And in a first term, really in a first year of a new presidency, you've got to smash the entire uh, deep state. And by that, I mean, you've got to take control of firing Entire classes of people in the U.S. government, careers, political appointees, 
everybody needs to go. You got to shrink these institutions. And there, there's some argument that you don't even need like an FBI or you've got to raise it to the ground and start from scratch. I'm among those people who believes that the FBI in particular is beyond redemption. So you've got to raise it to the ground and start from scratch with a brand new institution, hiring individuals that are fully vetted and that that is that are easily watchable um, and monitored for their behavior because right now we have none of that. So you've got institutions that wholesale need to be rooted up root and branch lisa but you've got to have a president who's got nerves of steel in order to do this and there are only two that i can see on the landscape donald trump and ron DeSantis. and and donald trump has been through this um and he's certainly in their crosshairs and remains so but ron DeSantis as well i mean he is fully aware of what the internal enemies are in the united states so i think those two men are really the only two with the fortitude to take on this. And as far as government goes, you've got to uproot, uproot all of it, fire everybody, remove the rot from all the way down to the ground. And then in terms of the culture, that's a much more long-range project. But that's why, you know, when we've got conservative authors, conservative television, conservative movies, documentaries, we need to go and support that to the hilt. Go buy movie tickets for Christian movies and so on, because you've got to start sending these signals that we're not going to tolerate the rot that's going on everywhere else besides the government. This has to be a wholesale change of the U.S. culture. And again, Lisa, they have been at this for decades so this isn't something that I think one president can do alone. And he, he and they um, have to have the support of all of us. We cannot go wobbly. We've got to give them total backup here on the ground. Well, and I'm a DeSantis or Trump, too. I, I think those are the only two. And DeSantis is incredibly methodical and very disciplined uh, in his execution as well. So those are my two guys that uh, you know I, I'd vote for. I don't think anyone else has the stomach for what needs to get done. And it really needs to happen on day one, because even when President Trump fired Comey, there was just too much time, you know, th then it looked, they tried to make it look like, oh, he was covering up, you know, so you got to do it day one, get rid of as many people as you possibly can, dismantle government from within as much as you possibly can on day one. I think that's the first uh, step of action, in my opinion, that the next Republican president, if we can get one in, that's what they got to do. Yes, absolutely. And I think both both men now understand that no matter whom the Republicans nominate for president in 24, the left is going to burn down the country again. So, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, Donald Trump with the drama and all of this, understand that the left is at war. They're at war with the Constitution. They're at war with individual liberty. They're at war with free market capitalism. They're at war. So it doesn't matter if you nominate Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or Christy Noem or whomever. It doesn't matter. They're going to burn down the country again. So my view is you better go with the guy that you believe has been through the fire before and has the guts, the stones to push forward with this because that's what it's going to take to save this country. Well, and they smear everyone too. You know, I mean, they called even Romney was a sexist. McCain was a racist. You know, it's like they, I'm an anti-vaxxer. Exactly. exactly. This is what the, they do. Yeah, it's like they just smear everyone and, and anyone that is in their path. You know, so we're, it's been a year since that disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, which was a real turning point, I believe, in the public perception of this administration, just seeing a president stand there and turn his back to questions, turn his back to the Americans that were left behind Afghanistan. They're still in Afghanistan. Um, what, you know, what's going through your mind in, in reflecting a year after that disastrous withdrawal? You know, it's hard to believe that a year has gone by because I, we all remember it so crystal clear and we could not believe our eyes. It's really hard to overstate the catastrophic nature of what he what he did. Now, Donald Trump ran in 2016 on getting the U.S. out of all foreign wars, and he kept his word. When it came from Afghanistan, the Trump administration had a very clear plan on how to withdraw fully in a very responsible way. It was conditions-based. Um, he was going to leave a remnant force, a very small remnant force, as a deterrent to the resurgence of the Taliban and terrorist forces there. He was going to carry it out in a very responsible way in a second term. 
that second term name never happened, but they they handed off the plan uh, to the Biden administration. Now, at the time, Joe Biden, and he continues to be this way, orange man bad, everything orange man did bad. Therefore, we're going to do the exact opposite of what orange man did, even though orange man delivered a thriving economy and world peace. So as part of that absolutely absurd, childish and dangerous strategy, Lisa, they decided to say, well, Biden said, I'm getting out now and I'm not going to use the Trump plan. Forget it. So we're just going to do a precipitous withdrawal. That meant taking the military out first, which even a three-year-old, if you described it to them, would tell you was going to be a huge mistake. Take the military out last. But no, Biden took out the military first, stranding thousands of American citizens in a terrorist war zone, um, imperiling the Afghan people that had come to trust us and our word, sending women in Afghanistan once again back to the Stone Age, veiled, no education, and so on. Everybody there under threat and created a power vacuum in Afghanistan, which has obviously and predictably been filled by al-Qaeda. I mean, we just took out um, al-Zawahiri, who was hanging out where? In Afghanistan. So al-Qaeda is back, the Taliban, but also the Chinese, the Russians, and the Iranians. They are all over Afghanistan, controlling it, running it, having a field day, and using the country as a base of operations for all kinds of nefarious plans against the United States and our interests around the world. You know what I was just went through my mind when uh, it, it, it kind of made me laugh a little bit in a, in a sad way because you were talking about you know orange man bad, Biden coming in wanting to do the complete opposite of what President Trump did. Well, President Trump was probably one of the best presidents we had. And and to your point, it really he's Biden has done the opposite, which has led us to this dumpster fire that we're in today, whether it's the economy, whether it's immigration and open borders or Afghanistan. I mean, he really, you know, has done the opposite, which has put us in, uh, you know, this sad and, uh, you know, terrible place that we are in, in in American history. Yes, absolutely. And I talk a lot about this on my podcast because it's critical that the American people understand where we are here. And keep in mind, when he withdrew in that catastrophic way from Afghanistan, America's biggest enemies were watching very closely, uh, including the Kremlin and including Beijing. And they saw that we have a weak, senile commander-in-chief who really doesn't really care about America's interests or the interests of freedom around the world or in defending those interests. So what do you think Vladimir Putin did? He immediately began planning the invasion of Ukraine. Beijing, now President Xi, they are also eyeing up Taiwan because they all realize, Lisa, that they've got a very small window of opportunity to act in their nation's interests. Look, I don't blame Xi or Putin for doing what they're doing. They would be politically negligent if they didn't try to advance their country's interests at this period of time with a very weak United States and a very weak American president. So, of course, they're going to take advantage of this moment, as they should. But it's going to be a very heavy lift for the next president to try to reestablish peace and stability and and advance freedom in the wake of all of this. And President Trump was probably the best foreign policy president we've ever had. I know he really got me, I've talked about this on my podcast quite a a deal, that he has really, he really got me to reexamine the way I view foreign policy because, you know, previously I thought that you needed to engage more to sort of show might and to, you know, assert your stature in the world. And President Trump really showed that you don't have to send troops, right? You can send a mother of all bombs to Afghanistan. You can send Tomahawk missiles to Syria while you're having, you know, chocolate cake. You, you, you can do all these different things to flex your might, take out Qasem Soleimani. And, and so he really, you know, was one of the best foreign policy presidents we've had. And, and I think got a lot of people to open their eyes and, and sort of reimagine uh, how foreign policy should look and how it should look moving forward. Yes. And like you, I was kind of raised on American interventionism you know, and, uh, you know, sort of the Reagan years and the George W. Bush years and so on. It was like American interventionism around the world. You know, U- uh, U.S. Uh, foreign policy is all about being world police. 
Um, and then we saw, you know, Afghanistan, obviously. Um, and then we saw, you know, Iraq, obviously. And these things imploded over time. Well, Donald Trump comes in and he's like, wait a minute. Yes, we are the most powerful nation on earth, but we don't need to flex necessarily in such a huge way, leaving such a huge footprint. We can actually impress upon our enemies that we are the world's superpower. We are going to stand up for our, our interests and our allies' interests, but we're going to do it with a much smaller footprint and we're going to do it in a much more precise targeted way. And one of the things that people really overlook with Donald Trump is that in lieu of sending hundreds of thousands of U.S. troops abroad, he used the scalpel of economic sanctions. So Trump really expanded the nature of economic war against our enemies rather than, you know, the blunt force of sending American troops overseas. And that that really precise kind of strategy worked a lot. I mean, you think about the um, the sanctions on various uh, entities out of Russia that he used to keep the Russians at bay, but also you think about the tariffs that were leveled against uh, the with Chinese, Mexico. which brought them with to Mexico the table. With Mexico, too, and, and to getting Mexico, them to step up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the threat of tariffs against, like, uh, for example, Japan and South Korea that are real strong en um, uh, allies of the United States, Lisa. But he was saying, look, if you're not going to come to the table on trade, I'm going to have to pull the trigger on this. And they all knew that he meant it, which means that they all came to the table. You know, they knew that he wasn't BSing anybody or, you know, or, or anything, and they did not want to call his bluff. And so they all came to the table and negotiated much fairer trade deals with the United States that ended up protecting the American worker. We've got to take a real quick break. Back with Monica. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. All right, Monica, so 2024, I know you said President Trump or DeSantis are the two that you think could do the job for Republicans. Obviously, Biden, it would be shocking if Biden makes it to running in 20. He's deteriorating and unraveling, unraveling in, in real time every time he goes out and, and gives a, a speech, which is rare. 
Uh, what do you think? Who who do Democrats run? What's going to happen on the other side for 2024? So, yeah, I talk a lot about this on my podcast, too, Lisa, because it's a huge question. Anybody with a brain understands that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are not going to be on the Democratic ticket uh, come 2024. They're just not. Joe Biden doesn't know what planet he's on. And Kamala Harris is historically the most unpopular vice president in U.S. history. So they're not going to run either one of them. The problem for the Democrats is not necessarily Joe Biden. They're, they'll find a way to get rid of him. Kamala Harris, on the other hand, might be a little bit more of a challenge to get rid of her. They're going to have to offer her a big job with a lot of money to ease her out of there. And even then, she might put up a real fight. But if they make it sweet enough, uh, she will depart the scene. But the problem is that the most devoted constituency of the Democrats is black women. So she is clearly a woman of color. And so if they're going to dump her, they've got a challenge there because they're the party of a fire, circular, circular firing squad and identity politics. So they're going to eat themselves alive if they ditch her for like a white guy, like Gavin Newsom or something. That That's not going to happen. So you've got to figure out and we got to think ahead in terms of how do they square that circle? How do they solve the woman of color problem for themselves? And, you know, I said this at CPAC earlier this year and the entire room of, you know, thousands of people gasped when I said it. But I think we need to deal in reality here, which is that the Democrats could solve that problem by running Michelle Obama. And if they were to run Michelle, um, and again, I don't know how realistic this is, but the woman is very, very political. And she has a voting rights organization right now, along with Stacey Abrams. She has followed the exact path that her husband and and Bill Clinton followed to get to the presidency, which is write an autobiography to try to preempt any kind of investigative journalism in your background, go on a big nationwide tour, and the cycle before, give the keynote address at the Democratic National Convention, which Michelle did last time, and people forget that. So I, I think... You know, it does us no favors to put our heads in the sand and pretend like this worst case scenario is not going to happen. I don't know whether or not she's going to run, but I think we need to to deal in that reality right now and be prepared for it so that if they do run someone weaker, we're even more prepared. But Michelle Obama is she's an icon. She is very popular and she is immune to criticism as a former first lady and a woman of color. So we better we better be prepared, and I hope Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, any other Republican thinking about running, that they have that on their radar, and they're drawing up uh, real plans on how to counter her, because to me, she's the only one that could pose a very significant challenge to any Republican. Oh, that's so smart and so, I mean, can you imagine the media coverage? Oh, yeah. I mean, they'd be, they'd be drooling over her and she'd have the entire Obama machine behind her. Yeah. Well, that's concerning. <laughs> just... yeah, I know. I'm I'm sorry, Lisa. I, I want to bring better news to you. But look, I mean, we can't live in denial, right? If they're going to run it, we've got, got to start getting prepared, figuring out strategies to counter this. Um, she may not run. If she doesn't run, look, Mrs. Clinton is still on the scene. She's still, you know, eaten alive by the idea that she never became president. She could step in. Gavin Newsom obviously wants to run. Um, and there are others out there as well who are looking at this and, and sort of drooling at the chance. And then Kamala, you know, is still a player. Um, I, I think if they run Kamala, you know, we could beat her by like 20 points. Um, but, you know, the Democrats are very smart. Power is the only thing that matters to them so that they can leverage it to get this uh, neo-communist revolution further down the road. So they will do anything and they will they will preempt anybody um, in order to do that. Look, this is right now, this is Obama's third term. Biden is not really the president. Barack and Michelle are the president. They're running the whole thing through Susan Rice in the White House. So if you've got Obama's third term right now, obviously they're going to want a fourth and a fifth. And they're going to do whatever it takes to get it. How do you take on Michelle Obama? It's a big question. Yep. I mean, running, she's a black woman running with the entire 
uh, Democratic machine and Obama machine behind her, it would be a very difficult uphill battle, I think. Look, they can't run on policy, so we, our side would absolutely have to focus on policy. But remember, the Democrats are really good at basing their appeals in emotion. And if you've got a black woman at the top of the ticket in Michelle Obama appealing to emotion, it's like a triple whammy. So we would really have to focus on delivering for the American people. I think Obviously, no Democrat is going to be able to run on the Biden record, which is such a disaster. Um, so they're going to have to run on, Democrats would have to run on nostalgia. I said this is at CPAC as well. They're going to have to run on like an Obama restoration, or if it's Mrs. Clinton, you know, a, a Clinton restoration, a Clinton-Obama restoration, whatever. They're going to have to run on like emotion rather than the truth about their disastrous policies. So our side is going to have to try to counter that with policy rather than try to get personal because, and, you know, Donald Trump is the master of the personal slam, you know, Lion Ted and little Marco and the rest of it. Um, he, he or DeSantis, if he runs and gets the nomination, they're not going to be able to do that to Michelle. Can you imagine the press coverage of that? I mean, they're going to call them raging racists anyway, but if they attack Michelle in any way other than policy, it, it is going to be a bonfire here. So I'm hoping that uh, political strategists smarter than you and me, Lisa, and we're pretty good, but I'm hoping that they have their thinking caps on right now about how to go about this. Besides the last uh, bit of news, though, it's a little... <laughs> no, I, I love you. I love, love talking to you. Is there is there anything else um, you'd like to leave us with before we go? Um, I think just the American people are waking up to the reality of what we're facing here, which is the silver lining to all of this. People are awake, not woke. And they're seeing with their own eyes that that the left really has gone too far. You know, the, these these people are revolutionaries and revolutionaries always overreach because they never rest. They never go on vacation. They never take a break. Revolutionaries are totally committed to their project and will do whatever it takes. And I think more and more Americans now understand that and they're awake to it, which is the good news. But I also want to leave everybody with what we all need to do personally to make sure that um, November works out the way we hope it will with a real red tsunami here. And that is that we all, we, we've got to do our own due diligence in taking care of our corner of America. So, I mean, heading into these elections in November, which we all know how they rigged the last election, they will stop at nothing. So they always come up with new and creative ways to rig elections. So I would just encourage everybody in your own community to volunteer your services or your resources to either volunteer to be an election observer, a poll worker on election day. Now we've got election month. So to be a vote counter, if you're an attorney in your community, volunteer your legal services in case there are legal challenges. Really, I think we all need to step up here and, and do this. You know, last week we saw the Arizona primaries, Lisa, and I saw something on social media that I thought was great. All of these people across Arizona, everybody on our side that wants to see clean, fair elections, they created these drop box watch parties. So they like surrounded these drop boxes. They brought their lawn chairs and coolers full of beer and wine and soda and food and chips and guac. And they took shifts just watching the drop boxes to make sure that vote trafficking wasn't happening or ballot box stuffing and that kind of thing. That's what we need to do. We need to regain that sense of community and really have each other's backs to make sure our races are clean, that we're supporting America first candidates and getting them over the finish line as President Trump is doing, but we all need to do our part. And then of course, on the culture, as I say, by supporting movies, television, music that reinforce our values in order to send Hollywood and the entire left a real message. So we can all do our part in our corner of America to make sure that we are bringing America back. I love that. Everyone go check out Monica's podcast, the Monica Crowley podcast. Monica, I miss you. It's been so nice to catch up. I really hope we see each other in person soon. I know. Me too, Lisa. I can't wait. Thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. And I will have you on my podcast very soon.
I would love that. Uh, you're awesome. So, uh, so good to catch up. Uh, and I hope to see you soon. You bet. Thanks so much, Lisa. Monica Crowley. I don't know. That comment at the end about uh, Michelle Obama got me. So uh, another thing to keep her eyes on, uh, along with everything else. But uh, it was so much fun to have her on the show. I love Monica. So I really appreciate her making the time. And she's so smart. She always has great insight. And you guys have great insight. And I appreciate you always tuning in, listening to the show every Monday, every Thursday. But you can listen throughout the week. Leave us a review. Rate us five stars in Apple Podcasts. I always love hearing from you guys. And I want to thank John Cassio, my producer, who always works hard to put the show together. So until next time. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring? But don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.